Episode 101, Kazia Luckett, Positive Psychologist. We can either choose to believe that they're a mistake and shouldn't happen, or we can choose to believe that they're course-correcting us to where we're meant to go. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes, links, and more, go to markgraben.com slash mistake101. As always, thanks for listening. Our guest today is Kazia Luckett. She is a highly respected positive psychologist. She's three-time international best-selling author of the Pay It Forward series, Notes to My Younger Self. And she's the creator behind two revolutionary modalities, the energy code and mind conditioning therapy. So I think we'll have a chance to learn a little bit more about that today. But first off, Kazia, thank you for being here. How are you? Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. I'm really well. Well, great. Um, uh, I guess, you know, uh, forgive me for jumping right in. I guess that's what we do here on the podcast. It's not a mistake. I don't know why I'm apologizing. But um, Kazia, what would you say is your favorite mistake? Do you know what? I, this is one of the reasons that I wanted to come on here because I just love this idea of our favorite mistake. Um, f- for me, it's something that kind of revolutionized my life and became that pivotal moment, which I think is probably the same for most of the the, the people that I've listened to on your show. Um, my favorite mistake is 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 this understanding that when things are going wrong, when you know, the SH1Ts hitting the fan and things are not great, <laughs> that we just keep on plodding through. We, in actual fact, we up, up our, you know, our strive and our determination to keep on going through. And what I learned from that after burnout and losing, well, not losing, walking away from a business was that actually there is another way to do things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when oh. it took that that pivotal moment in my life of walking away from a highly successful business because I was literally on the verge of burning out for me Uh, to realize that. And so so, that has revolutionized my whole life. That, that favorite mistake. Yeah. So I think it'd be interesting to hear a little more detail about that. Um, What was that business? If if you don't mind talking about that. So the irony is it was a female based concierge business helping busy corporate mums juggle the work life balance. So whatever they needed to make their life easier so that when they came back from a busy day at work, they could be present with their loved ones, they could relax, they could have time for themselves. So I had a team of 35 women that would go in and they would do everything from washing and ironing, cleaning, laundry, making beds, unloading dishwashers, making the evening meal, looking after kids, you know, to going up and doing some, you know, really nice shopping for them so they had gifts to give to their clients. So they did whatever they would need to do normally if they were doing it themselves. And so it was really interesting being a part of that um, and seeing into the most intimate part of people's lives is being in their home and seeing that even with all of those things and all of that support, 
there was still this underlying of, you know, this underlying feeling of I've worked so hard to get where I am, but what does it all mean? Mm-hmm. You know, what's yeah. it all for? I've got all of these things. I've got the nice house. I've got the nice clothes. I've got the nice car. I've got the holidays. I've got all these things. Uh, I've now got somebody to help me with the household stuff so I can spend mm-hmm. more time with my family. But now what? I mean, it sounds like I, I, I don't know if irony is the right word. And I, I don't know if you're a mother, but you started this business to provide services to busy women did in a way that create overburden and additional stress for you as a woman. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, I yeah. was a, a bit of a control freak. I had two managers that ran different areas um, and it wasn't unusual for me to do an 80, 90 hour work week to work Monday through to Saturday. And if my husband hadn't put his foot down, probably a Sunday too, because I was invested. It's kind of like having another child. I was invested, heavily invested in bringing this, this seedling of an idea and this baby out into the world. But in the meantime of doing this and helping all these women, I lost the true essence of who I was and why I was doing it. Wow. So when did this start to become apparent to you? And I'm curious, as you said earlier, the, the idea of plotting through, like when did you start to realize something's not right here, but yet and this, I mean, I, I understand this, like you want to stick with something. You don't want to give up. You want to figure it out. What can you tell a little bit more of the dynamics there? Well, one of the things that was apparent when I was at school, when I was getting those school reports in, every single one of them said exactly the same thing, which is, you know, because he is doing well, but she could do better. And so I kind of took that on as my mantra. Well, I'm doing all right, but I could do better. And like many people, I have learned that, you know, through society, through parents, through peers, that 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 whole subsection of could do better is all about working harder and longer. It's all about pushing it through. And so that's what I did. Could do better. Okay, so we've got 35 members of staff and we're in five counties. How can we spread that out? I could do better. And so my could do better ended up being working longer, working harder, not necessarily working smart. And the the kind of side effect was that I wasn't seeing my family. When I was with my family, I was not a particularly nice person to be around. I essentially became one of the women that I was looking to serve, not necessarily in the, the personality, but in the fact that I was doing all of this for everybody else. But actually, I needed two or three of those people doing it for me. And and when you decided to walk away, what finally tipped it in that direction? Or if that was, it sounded like you were struggling with that for a while. I was. And I, I will honestly say that I didn't know I was struggling with it. And there were a couple of things that happened quite quickly, one after the other. And the first one was when my husband came home from work to find me on the floor struggling to breathe because I had pneumonia Mm -hmm. and rushed into hospital, spent six weeks in bed, thought I felt better, went back to not learning my lesson. And within a couple of days, I had food poisoning and was back in bed for another two weeks. And at that point, it was just like, right, things aren't going as they should be and it's difficult to run a business from your bed because I was exhausted and interestingly enough I I had a coach I had a mentor at the time 
And I traveled up to be with her and some of the uh, women that were in the group. And I, I still vividly remember sitting at the, the, the boardroom table and she came around behind me and she put her hands on my shoulders. And I remember looking up and she just said, I don't believe your business is making you happy. And out of my mouth, before I could even engage my brain, came all of these things as, well, it's my baby and I love it. I've done it for five years and don't be so ridiculous and blah, 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 blah. And I remember on the way home, this kind of rolling over my head. And I walked in and my husband and my two children were sat at the dinner table. And I sat down and he said, how was your day? And I repeated back that word and what I'd said. And out of nowhere, my little boy, who was five at the time, who I'd set the business up because of my experience when I was pregnant with him, he just looked at me and he said, well, she's right, mommy, you're always so grumpy. And it was in that moment I was like, no, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm I'm walking away. And then the unraveling happened afterwards. So would you say, and thank you for sharing all that, um, Kazia, um, you know, so uh, moving ahead, thinking of, is it fair to say, I mean, your, your current business is the work that you do um, as a psychologist and an author, and you've got things that you're creating um, in this current business are, you know, thinking back to the lesson from the concierge business, are there things that you look out for to, to head off repeating sort of a similar mistake if there's some part of the work that you do that's not making you happy or it's if it's a struggle how do you think about it now do you continue plodding along or do you you know pull back or stop doing something well there's a couple of things firstly um i actively chose to do things different so where before i'd set up a business and my life had to squeeze around that business and find its way, you know find the small elements where it could fit in in my business now i've designed my business around my life I've designed it around how do I want to live? What kind of life do I want to have? And it's not working a 90, 80, you know, 80, 90 hour work. It's not. So being very intentional about some of that. Incredibly intentional. And also, um, you know, obviously you talked about the energy code. The energy code is all about understanding those natural peaks and troughs we have. And I now know that there's certain times in the month, in the year where I'm full of energy and I can go, go, go. And there's other times that I need to pull back. And so now I can track my energy. I know exactly when those times are. I can plan my Uh diary around it. And it just means that what I'm doing supports that and it supports my business. Um, I think it's interesting. I've had another guest who used a similar phrase of designing your life. And when I think about my background as an engineer and I've worked in healthcare for 15 years, there's this question around designing the work that nurses and pharmacists and physicians and and others do on a day-to-day basis. It's often, frankly, it's not designed. It's just evolved. It's just happened. And that leads to overburden and and stress and disconnects and burnout. And I, I think it's just interesting to see the parallels. And, and to, to step back, I'll, I'll do this on my own time, but to step back and think about how this applies to me and my business and in my life. Am I designing it or am I just letting it happen? I think that's a really important thing to think about. 
And I think so many of us aren't. We, we've fallen into a trap where we're on autopilot, where, you know, each and every day is Groundhog Day. And actually, by the time we're 35, you know, 95% of our subconscious programming is already in there. So that gives us 5% of our brain in order to switch and change things about. Well, unless you're conscious and unless you're intentional, then you are naturally going to go into that autopilot. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm 48 now. If I think back to when I was 35 and before that, I'm not the same person. So I don't want to live the same life that I did then. You know, I'm getting older. I want it more easy and relaxed. I don't want to be running around <laughs> like this, you know. Um, so I want to learn more about um, the idea is you sort of introduce the energy code. I think that's really interesting. Um, before we get into that, you know, you describe yourself as a positive psychologist. And I've heard that phrase. I don't know what it means. So I'll just ask on behalf of the audience, um, what, what does it mean, positive psychology? So a positive psychologist, is, is positive psychology is all about the science of what makes people communities and organizations flourish and thrive. So the easiest way I describe it to my clients is I'm interested in the good stuff about you. You know, yes, you know, we all have that dichotomy of of the good and the bad, the, you know, and and also sometimes the the downright ugly. But you know, what 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 is the good stuff? Let's build on your strengths. Let's build on 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 the good stuff that will help you flourish and thrive rather than point the finger at the so-called bad stuff and and bring that to the surface. I obviously we don't want to discard it, but there has to be that beautiful balance. And I think for so long psychology has just focused on one aspect. So bringing this forward, I think, has changed a lot of things for a lot of people, being able to focus on the positive psychology aspect. Yeah. So if I hear you right, the traditional approach to psychology is not called negative psychology. It's just psychology. But that's the way it had been. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They they, they look at the, you know, what's the problem? Most psychology look at what's the problem. Well, Mm -hmm. We choose to look at, well, what are you doing right? The more right stuff that you can do and expand on that, the more we flourish and thrive, the better we are, the more happy we are. Um, and so when, when did this um, new approach come around, positive psychology? It's been around for a while. Um, Martin Seligman, um, he was the, the, the chair of psychology and he decided on this this new approach. Um, I, I trained back in 2017 and at the time there were only nine centres in the world that did a master's in positive psychology. So, mm. you know, it's starting to build momentum now. Um, and you're seeing it ripple out in lots of things. For, for me, when I first went into it, when I sat in that first classroom and started learning about it, it was kind of, it felt like the science behind all the, some of the woo-woo stuff that people talk about, you know, the gratitude journaling and the think positive and, but there's actual science that sits behind it. And my background is science. So for me, it just made, it made perfect sense to find something and to understand the science behind what makes people happy, what makes people flourish and thrive. And there's more to it than, than eliminating the things that make you unhappy. It seems. Definitely. And this is one thing that I think has, has become 
not a problem, but I think it could potentially become a problem is, you know, I see lots of people writing about positivity and just think happy thoughts. Well, actually, my my belief is that the so-called negative emotions are really, really valuable. They're like a guidance system. You know, if you were happy all the time, how would you know you're happy? Because that's just your 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 baseline. You wouldn't know. So we yeah. need those so-called negative emotions. You come around the corner and you see a saber-toothed tiger. You don't want to feel happy. You want to feel fear <laughs> because you want the physiological firing of the you know the, the the muscles primed and ready to run away. You want the hormone of of adrenaline, you know, flooding through your body. You want that fear or flight mode. So. When people look at those so-called negative emotions and they make judgments on them and they try and push them aside or discard them or stuff them down in many cases, especially for men, we do a disservice to ourselves and those those emotions. So um, you mentioned earlier this idea of the energy code and what I heard briefly, fluctuations in uh, energy levels. Could you tell us more about that? Uh, and, 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 you know, how did you come to, to study this or teach us, teach this approach? Well, interestingly, it was that mistake, you know, seeing these incredibly successful people that had everything that they could possibly want that would potentially make them happy. But there was still that missing piece. And many of them were in overwhelm, burnout, exhaustion. I was too. And I just thought, well, there is a set way in many corporations, definitely in in many big corporations and big businesses, that they expect you to lead your life whilst you're in that container. And depending on what industry it is, so things like the banking industry and trading and finance will tend to be quite masculine orientated. It's very much the push. It's very much the action. It's very much the do. And so it got my brain thinking, well, there has to be a counterbalance. Like there's a counterbalance with positive and negative emotions. There has to be a counterbalance. And so I started diving into both the feminine and masculine energies. And, you know, regardless of whether you're male or female, we have both that reside in us. And we need both. The masculine is very much doing and action and logic, while the feminine is very much being and resting and replenishing and intuition. You put those two together, they become a really powerful force. And when you put those two together, you find out that actually there are natural peaks and troughs. There's this natural ups and downs. There'll be days that you wake up and you'll go, do you know what? Actually, I just want to pull the covers over my head. I'm done today. (laughs) And there's other days that you leap out of bed and you've got a thousand ideas running through your head and you're ready to crack on with them. So I kind of looked at enough people to understand, well, what would these energy spaces be? You know, if we're going through these different, what would they look like? And so I created my own terminology around it. So you have nurture and whisper, which are feminine energy spaces. And you normally end up in in those when you've been in the masculine. So these are being energies. And then you have create and shine, which are masculine. So they're very much doing energies. And when you first start working with your energy code, you're operating from what you've learned. So you've learned how to be by your parents or your caregivers or your peers or your siblings or or the teachers. So we play out these heritage patterns over here. 
And as we start to manage and master our energy code and understand when to pull back and when to push forward, we start to create our own unique energy code. And every single person has one. And it sounds like one of the keys is to recognize your own pattern. And let's say, for example, you wake up one day and you're like, I just, I'm not feeling it today. I don't have it today. Like, don't, don't be too hard on yourself about that. At some point, accept that this is just, this is nothing to, to blame yourself uh, or be harsh about, right? Yeah. So if you, if you look at something like nurture, nurture sounds delicious. It sounds like, oh, I'm going to go and get lots of massages. I can lie in bed all day. It'll be lovely. In actual fact, nurture is the survival zone. Nurture is when you have been ignoring every warning sign that your body has given you. So when you've woken up feeling like I'm not feeling it today, you've gone, don't be so ridiculous. I've got to go to work. I've got to do this. And you end up working till 11 o'clock at night. So nurture is when you've been ignoring it for so long. I ended up in the nurture energy space when I burnt out and had pneumonia. And what tends to happen in nurture is if you don't listen, the universe, God, Buddha, Allah, whichever you want to call it, is going to hit you with a a big plank of wood and is going to make you listen. So that might look like sickness. That might look like burnout. It might be a car accident. It might be something that forces you to stop. And that is the hardest energy space to master, learning Mm -hmm. how to stop, because most of us don't know how to do it. Sure. You know, our phones ping, our emails ping. We're always on the go. We're always responding. We're reactive rather than proactive. That's really interesting to think about. I mean, I'm just reflecting a little bit personally. There are some mornings when I'm having uh, my first cup of coffee and I'm looking at a, a busy work from home schedule, meetings, podcast interviews and things. Some days that's very exciting. I, I, I look at that and say, wow, this is going to be a really interesting, exciting day. And then some mornings, it's not too often. I look at it and I think, oh, no, I have such a busy day. It sounds like that may be some of these fluctuations hitting me. Yeah. So there'll be lots of different influences for feminine, you know, for the, for the women, it could be their feminine cycle. The lunar cycle will affect the seasons. I mean, we're, we're here in the UK. We're in winter. Winter is definitely a nurture energy space. It's about pulling back your energy. It's about replenishing. It's about, you know, filling up your energy bucket. So certain seasons, you're going to feel different things. Like in the summer, I'm in create all the time because I'm just like full of energy. It feels good. So you're right. You know, depending on on what's going on depends on how you feel. So when you've mastered the, the nurture energy space and you've come out of survival, then you really should only need three energy spaces, which is whisper, which is your topping up which is where you hear your body, like you just said, oh, I'm not feeling it today. Okay, you're not feeling it today, so what can you do? Can you go walk in nature? Can you, you know, block out your meetings? Is there anything you can cancel? Can you draw back your energy somehow? And in the drawing back of that energy and topping up your energy bucket, I like to think of it as a stainless steel bucket. As you top it up, you now have energy to do the right actions at the right time with the right people. You feel inspired. You, you, you bringing in that creativity juices to be able to do stuff. And that's when you step into create or shine and shines when you're totally in alignment. Everything feels amazing. You're just on it and you just feel amazing. So, but we need to rest in order to have those emotions. And we've been taught 
in society that you just keep going. Each day is exactly the same as the rest. You just keep going. You just keep going. You just keep going. And if you don't feel good, you just ignore it and you just keep going. Very, uh, I think it's a lot for uh, the audience to, to, to think about there and come learn more about what you teach here um, on, on the website. Um, not quite wrapping up yet, but Kazia's website is kazialuckett.com and we'll put uh, a link in the show notes, of course, um, there's different ways that you can learn from Kazia and work with her. Is uh, a book in your future? It seems like this would be a very interesting book. I'm actually in the process of writing the Energy Code book. So we already have a course called Ignite. Um, and I'm just writing um, a book. And um, in April, we're bringing out the first practitioner course so people can train in this. Because my clients tend to be varied, you know, understanding your energy code is a great peak performance tool for corporates, you know, mm-hmm. and also right. it's it's great for mums, you know, that are stay-at-home mums. Knowing your energy and being able to work with it is great for navigating all sorts of life situations. So, yeah, there, there's the, the book is on its way. Okay. Well, good. I'm happy to hear that. One other thing I wanted to ask you before we do wrap up, Kazia, um, I know one one thing that you work with people on, um, use this phrase decoding and releasing your past. And that phrase stands out to me because I think it relates to the theme of this podcast of, of reflecting, looking back on something, learning from it, maybe preventing it, but this idea of releasing something from your past, what could you, could you share a little more about that? And in context of, let's say somebody's looking back in their past about um, a career mistake and maybe they're being, they're still being too hard on themselves about it? How can we help process this? Well, interestingly enough, the books that I wrote, the Pay It Forward Notes to My Younger Self books, um, really stemmed the, the, the this idea of mind conditioning therapy. And it came on a walk on, uh, on the day after Christmas Day, which here is called Boxing Day. And the question kept coming in, if I could go back in time, And I could change those pivotal moments. You know, those moments that actually you might not want anybody else to know about. You're trying to keep them secret. You're trying to hide them. If I could go back and I could change those or I could give myself words of advice, what would I say and would I change it? And I actually did my thesis on this for my master's because it interested me that much. And my my belief was that actually... I didn't think people would. So when I started this book, I took each each person that went through the book through mind conditioning therapy, where we found the memory of a pivotal moment that had influenced their beliefs, their fears and their experiences moving forward. Because often, like you know, with those mistakes, we have a choice. We have a choice how we look at them. We can either choose to believe that they're a mistake and shouldn't happen, or we can choose to believe that they're course correcting us to where we're meant to go. You know, it's like a game of that ping ball wizard thing where the ball kind of goes up. You know, each each pivotal moment, each mistake that we go through is leading us and giving us experience. And my view was, as a positive psychologist, is, If we could take those experiences and we could change the way somebody believed them to be, so we could change it from a negative experience to an empowering experience, would it change their life? Mm. And the answer is yes, because there are never any mistakes or errors in our life. And regardless of what's happened to you, 
if we change the way that we tell our story about it, we can change absolutely everything. So it's about finding the memory that is causing that limitation, that fear, mm-hmm. that belief, mm-hmm. unraveling it and putting it back together in such a way that it's empowering. And if you think that up to 50% of your memories could just be an elaborate story because of the way that our memories work, it's really easy to see how you can dismantle it and then put it back together in a way that actually empowers somebody. Well, th- thank you, Kazia, for sharing not only your story, but um, you know a little bit of education for us about positive psychology, and then certainly uh, a lot, you know, a lot to think about there in terms of uh, are we designing uh, our, our life and um, things that we can explore about our energy and our mood and, and how we're doing. So, our guest again has been uh, Kazia Luckett. Um, thank you so much uh, for being a guest today. Really appreciate it. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.